Welcome to all of our dads that are here, and just pray that God has a special blessing for you today. I believe he does. We're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 20, so you might want to turn your Bibles or your electronic Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Uh, Jeff, this is a little bit uh, loud, if you don't mind bringing that down a little bit. Next week, we will conclude our series on what is God's will, and uh, if you haven't been with us so far, let me review a little bit. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, week number one, we looked at boundaries. Remember, I put a soccer goal up and we looked at the boundaries. On one side was God's providential will. That is what he's going to do no matter what. And on the other side was the uh, pole that, uh, of, the, of the goal that talked about God's moral will. And as long as we're following within the footprints of God's moral will based on his scripture and what he teaches in scripture, then that's where we need to live. Because God's providential will is he's going to do whatever he's going to do no matter what. So in other words, if he's going to, when he's going to come back, whether you pray for it or against it, it's still going to come. <laughs> That's his providential will. The moral will is I'm living according to God's scripture. I'm living according to the principles of God in my life. And then on the top bar that held those two goals together was our personal will. And somewhere in between the two, God's providential, God's moral will, is where we'll find our personal will as we follow God's will and seek it in our life. And uh, it's God's will that we be sanctified, and that we live on the correct side of his moral will. So don't forget that. Last week we talked about three of the most common mistakes made in seeking God's will. The first one was we just simply don't ask God a lot of the time. We seek other people's advice. We'll go to friends. We'll go to spouses. We'll go to relatives. But we just fail to get to God, and that's who we ought to go to first. And our goal is not to receive no advice, but to receive good advice, and that good advice coming from God. Second mistake we make is we often rely too much on logic. If it doesn't make sense, then we don't do it. God often works outside of logic. There's things that happen that don't, don't match up. They just don't fit, but they happen all the time. So we need to remember that. The third mistake is that we tend to hear what we want to hear. And all of you seem to agree with that one that we tend to hear what we want to hear. Because, you know, when we're seeking God's will, we want to make sure it fits the way we have planned it out, and if it's fitting into that plan, then it must be God's will, right? <laughs> that's where we get in trouble, because that's how we all tend to work. But uh, we want to hear from God. We want peace that passes all understanding, and if we do the things that God called us to do in the way that God calls us to do it, then we're going to find it. We're going to see it. We're going to sense it and receive it in the right way. But today I want us to think about staying on that right road, discerning the will of God. Uh, today I want to look at some markers on the road that help us determining God's will for our lives. Uh, if you look at almost any story in the Bible, David, Daniel, Joseph, any in the New Testament, John the Baptist, even Jesus himself, you're going to find these four markers in almost every story. And these four markers are found in Acts chapter 20. And we begin at verse 22, but before we go there, let me give you a little bit of context. Paul is saying this uh, here, and he's finished a season of ministry in Ephesus. He's called the elders of the church together, and he's offered a very sad and emotional farewell speech. And it's recorded right here, beginning at verse 22. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. We read these earlier. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that, there in, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships 
are facing me. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the gospel of God's grace. Four markers that we're going to see in these passages. The first one, there in verse 22, is what I call the Spirit's promptings. The Spirit's promptings. It's when the Holy Spirit nudges you. Any of you understand that when I say that? Good. The Spirit nudges you. See, look in verse 22. He says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. That's a Greek word here that's uh, called dio pneuma. Dio pneuma. God's Spirit prompting me. It literally means bound in the Spirit, wrapped up like we were in a series of cords around us. Pneuma. Some would say panuma, but it's the P is silent. Pneuma is translated as spirit or even more literally a current of air or the breeze of the spirit. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 2, it says that in Jerusalem they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That kind of intrigues me. I has for years. They didn't feel the wind. It didn't say they felt it. It said they heard the sound. Now, I like to go outside when storms are in the area. Any of you? I don't know why we're like that. There's going to be a tornado on the ground. I'm going to go outside and look for it. I guess I learned that from my grandmother. I asked her, I said, Granny, where are you going? So I got to go find out where it is. So I went out with her. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was looking for. But uh, it's kind of funny how we do that. But, boy, when the wind is really going... You can not only hear it, but you can feel it, can't you? And that's the essence of what this is talking about, that current of air, that breeze of the Spirit. And for those of you that are believers, you know what Dio Numa experiences mean and what they feel like. Those that uh, are wrapped up in the presence of the Spirit of God, you, you understand that prompting idea that I'm talking about. And when you get those promptings, you should respond to the promptings. You ever had a prompting to write a letter to somebody and didn't do it and regretted it? Or make a phone call and you didn't do it and regret You see what I'm saying? Those are the, it may not be some prompting to jump off a building somewhere. I doubt it will be. But it will be a prompting for you to talk to somebody or to, or to share a word of encouragement to somebody. And boy, follow through on those when they come. Don't hesitate. Don't say, well, I want, well, I want, well, I want. Maybe you're saying, I've never felt anything like that before. When you deepen your walk with God, when you deepen that relationship with God, then you begin to understand the promptings, the dionuma of, of, of God coming on your life. Some of you are saying, well, man, you know, I've never felt that. Well, maybe you're not truly, truly a believer in Christ. Again, I know a lot of believers in Christ who've gone through the motions of what it means to be a believer in Christ, but their, their relationship is any deeper today than it was then. Your relationship should be deeper. If you're married and have been married for longer than six months, I'll bet you that your relationship is deeper than it was when you first were married for six months. I get an amen? Because you start finding out about each other, don't you? 
Because see, the first six months, man, it's great. Even the first year, couple years, it's really great. And then you start to find out about each other. And then, lo and behold, you have children come along. Mm, mm, mm. Then you really find out about each other. You just thought you were married to a handsome young man. He turns into the Hulk all of a sudden. Children come along. Well, you thought she was patient and kind and beautiful all the time. Your children come along. They ain't got time to get dressed up. They ain't got time to put their hair up and like this and put sweatpants on. What do you mean I'm not pretty? Oh, yes, you are beautiful, dear. Beautiful, dear. Dio Numa. Let me share it with you this way. Sometimes you walk into certain shopping malls. You go in the right door. Sudden aromas come to your nostrils. There's one that I catch more than, all, more than uh, others. It's the cinnamon rolls that are baking. Oh, some of you have been in that mall. There is a spirit <clears throat> of cinnamon that's calling you to that store, amen? And you follow that spirit because it's engulfing you and wrapping you in cords. And, and the closer you get, the greater it is. And the icing's dripping off of that. It seems like that cinnamon roll is that high, doesn't it? And you can see the cinnamon dripping out of it too, can't you? Some of you have been at the mall. I've been at it. That's what I'm talking about. That Dio Numa. That spirit that draws you and you sense his presence. We're going to take some kids to CIY in a few weeks. Bree's been there. She knows what I'm fixing to say is true. Brad's been there. Braden's been there. Chris has been there. They know what I'm fixing to talk about. Some of you other adults have been there. There is something that moves at that CIY conference. Something stirs inside your belief chest when you go. And it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. That Dio Numa. Joe puts it this way, For I am full of words, and the Spirit within me does what? Compels me. It compels me. Inside I'm like a bottled up wine, like new, new wine skins ready to burst. You see, when the Spirit of God is truly living in you, truly touching you, truly prompting you, you're going to sense it, you're going to respond to it, and you're going to let Him bust out. If I were to take a 7-Up can and shake it up like this, And open it. What would you? What would happen? Oh Lord, have mercy! Everybody on the front row would need a, you know, raincoat or something. It goes everywhere, doesn't it? And sometimes we do that just for fun, don't we? We'll shake them up and spray our friends and all that stuff. We just think that's funny. Ha ha ha! Till they get us back, and then we get mad. Why are you getting mad? But I don't, don't forget what I'm trying to say with the can of Seven Up. You shake it up, something happens. If you don't feel like the Spirit of God's really been moving in you, you need to let God shake you up. Let Him shake you up. 
When you read God's Word and spend a lot of time in the Bible, He'll shake you up. When you read God and you, God's Word and you spend time there and you worship Him, He'll shake you up. When you begin to pray, earnestly pray, He'll shake you up. When you give, I mean radically give in irrational ways, He shakes you up. When you go out and witness, He'll shake you up. When you start to share the good news with people, and you know how it works, you're, you're talking to somebody and they're asking you a question, you don't know the answer, and He's shaking you up inside and you're getting nervous and worried, and all of a sudden a verse comes out of the blue, boom, and you share the verse. And you're going, I didn't know that verse. But the Holy Spirit did, and he saw you doing your job, so he's shaking you up, and he's going to bring it. It's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome because you know it's not about you. It's all about God. And that's what's important. Spend some time in the presence of God. He will shake you up, and you'll begin to bubble up, and you'll overflow. Dio Numa. Dio Numa. We're sitting. The Olympics are going to start real soon. These Olympians have trained for four hard years to be able to do what they're going to do in less than two minutes. Think about it. Or less than ten minutes. They've been running. How many hours do they run? How many sprints have they run? How many weights have they lifted? How many meals have they not eaten what they wanted to but ate the right kind of meal? For four years. And then they get there and they didn't stretch right and they pull a hamstring muscle. All that time wasted because they didn't stretch right. It's that simple. Why isn't the Holy Spirit moving in us? Why isn't God's Spirit deonuma in us? Why aren't we feeling bound up and prompted by the Spirit of God? Because He hadn't shook us up in a while. Marker number one, Dionuma. Spirit prompting. Say that with me. Spirit prompting. Say it with me. Spirit prompting. Number one. Number two, certain uncertainty. <laughs> and this is where our lives get a little bit wobbly. We know that God's calling us to do something, but that's about all we know. The fact is that we don't know how, you know, details kind of bothers us because we want details we're detailed people we got to know what's going on look what the apostle paul says verse 22 he says i'm going to jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there so in other words god has shown him that he's supposed to go but he hadn't given him all the answers he hadn't filled in all the blanks so sometimes when dio numa hits us we have to take a step of faith you got to step out in faith. Oh, now hold on, brother. That's not logical. Bingo. That's when he does his best work, when it doesn't make sense. When Pat went to the emergency room, they said, we don't operate now. You're going to die. Basically what they told you, right? Well, we started praying. They didn't do surgery. Main doctor looked at her and said, I don't know what they were so wild-eyed down there about. He said, your, your colon's intestines are kind of untwisted. They were twisted, but now they're untwisted. 
Well, what'd she do? Turn over wrong? I, I don't know. How do intestines get twisted and not get un- and then get untwisted? Well, God just went, man, I'll show you. That's because there's a bigger picture here. There's a heart issue that needs to be dealt with before the hernias get dealt with it, you see. <laughs> Some of you right now are in a season of uncertainty. You believe God's prompting you to do a certain thing, to go a certain direction, but you don't have all your questions answered. You're, li- not, you're living not by facts, but by faith, and it's difficult to live there at first. God's teaching you to trust Him step by step. Some of you, you may have met that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with and get married. Covenant partnership with them. But you don't know how it's going to work out. But if God told you, you couldn't really handle all the details anyway. Life's more fun lived day by day, isn't it? But so many of us want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. But see, if you worry about what's going on today and what you worry about what happened yesterday, just think if he told you what's going to happen tomorrow, you'd worry about that before it ever got here. And then if you weren't worried, you'd be worrying that you weren't worrying. Am I, am I hitting home with anybody? <laughs> you got to trust God in relationships, in jobs, whatever it is, you've got to trust God. You may be in that season of uncertainty. Paul talked about that with his future plans in 1 Corinthians 16. He said, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia, verse 6. Perhaps I will stay for, a, for how long, for a while or even for the winter, so that you can help me on my journey where I'm going. He said, wherever I go, I'm not sure wherever God leads me. I, I do not want to see you now. Uh, and, and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you as the Lord permits. He's a man of uncertainty. God didn't reveal everything to him. Just enough to get him to take that next step. Just enough. Verse 8 leads us also to the next marker. Verse 8. He says, but I will stay at Ephesus. I'm back in Acts 20. I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effectiveness has opened to me and there are many who oppose me, which leads us to that third marker, predictable resistance. (laughs) God prompts you. You want to know more. You can't know more just yet. You're uncertain. And then you face resistance. You can mark that down on the calendar. As soon as you step out in, toward your spiritual uh, strength in Christ, your enemy will try and resist you. Look at verse 23, Acts 20. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me. Warns me what? That everything's going to be great? Warns me, that no, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardship are facing me. Just because you face difficult times does not mean that you're out of the will of God. You need to understand that. God will work as much in the difficult times as He does in the good times. Have you discovered that? Once you discover that, it helps you in your walk with God. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I only know that prisons and hardships are facing me, he says. The church was going through difficult times. I served in the past, not here, somewhere else. I thought God wanted me to leave that church. It was really ugly. It was nasty. I was having to face a lot of my own demons. I had people literally hate me, <clears throat> say those words, I hate you. Uh, one told me I was going to hell, just straight up. He said, you're a liar. And, you, and he was an elder of the church, by the way, saying these things to me. He said, you're, you're, a, you're really on fire by the devil himself. I thought, wow, okay. First time I'd ever encountered that. But after you hear it enough, you sometimes maybe think, wow, maybe I am fooling people. Maybe I am phony and fake. Hmm. But I called a mentor, and I trusted, and I asked him what I should do. And he said, for the church's sake, you need to stay, but it's going to cost you personally. Now, I didn't understand exactly what that meant, but boy, was he ever right. Boy, was he ever right. It cost me and my family personally a lot. On the flip side, the good news is I found some weaknesses in my life that I've worked on, continue to work on. I put them at the throne of God and at the cross and left them there. And God's going to help me and has helped me. And day by day, we continue to break those and break free from them. But you see, it's from the outside... It looks like it's a lot of fun. Things are going great. It's on the inside where the battle rages. I went through a lot of sleepless nights and I worried and doubted myself and that's sin. Felt insecure. Felt unsure of my leadership ability and my decision making. Wasn't sure why people hated me and even said it. Never have received such spiritual opposition in my life. went to a counselor, asked the counselor why, why I was doing this and what was going on and why my life was like this. And I just simply looked at the counselor. I said, well, I probably need to just quit the ministry and go do something else. And I assumed the counselor, after hearing my great story, would say, yep, you're right. You're worthless. And that goofy counselor said, well, that's an option. Option sounds like there's something else available. And the counselor said, now you will understand what everybody you preach to every day, every week, goes through every day. Revolutionized my whole life. Sitting with that Christian counselor who helped me understand that it's not about me, it's about God. And if God can help me, I'll bet he can help you. And I believe it with all of my heart. You need to understand that when you're pursuing the heart and the will of God, these things can happen to you more often than not. Don't get discouraged. And don't quit. Don't quit. Keep making progress. Keep resisting the enemy. Push back. Perhaps you have a vision. To one day stop living like almost everyone else in this old materialistic world and 
money and seeking money and more things will make you happy. Instead, you say, you know what? I want to be free from the bondage of debt, and I want to get a vision of getting out of debt. You'll take three steps forward, and then something expensive in your house will break. <laughs> Happens every time. Three steps forward, two steps back. You get a vision to one day really make your marriage work, and you, you're tired of chasing the chasing after the money and you really want to spend time and develop that relationship and you've been having problems but you decide today's the day we're going to change that and you go home ready to change you'll have the fight you've never had in your life with that woman or that guy maybe you're ready to start raising your kids like you need to and spend time with them and not work so much and all of a sudden they'll be nasty as they can be Remember, it's easier to go to God to build your faith when you're in the valley than when you're on the mountaintop. Because on the mountaintop, we don't need him anymore. It's in the valley. It's where we, we actually, we need God all the time, but we think we don't need him when we're on, on the mountaintop. But I'd have you remember, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Bible says, he's with us. He's with us. So wherever you are, don't ever give up. Three markers, D.O. Numa, prompting of the Spirit of God, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, leads us to number four, uncommon clarity. Let's review. Paul says in Acts 20, starting 22, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know it's going to be hard. Then he goes on with, with clarity to say, however, I consider my life work, and this is my favorite verse, in the last two years, I've been praying this verse. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me and only that I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. There's power in that verse. There's power in that statement. I don't know what's going to happen. I know it's going to be hard. However, watch this uncommon clarity. He says it's a gift from God. He states it in one statement. One big picture, I see it all. All that other little stuff doesn't matter if I can only do the big thing God's called me to do, and that's to share the good news of God's grace. And for Paul, it was to preach. He says, if I'm in a crowd, I'm going to preach. If I'm in prison, I'm going to preach. If I'm on the top of the world, I'm going to preach. If I'm getting beaten up and whipped and stoned, I'm going to preach. And the big thing is in place. And when the big thing's in place, the little things fall into place. So when you know what you need to do, go do it. And God will make the rest fit. God will make the rest happen. In the Old Testament, Nehemiah understood Dio Numa. He had a burden from God. Had it. The walls of Jer Jerusalem were torn down and someone had to do something about it. So he saw the big picture. Unsure of his own ability, he faces predictable resistance. The bad guys come to stop him. A few people got together and they said, let's, let's create plots to get this guy off his project and destroy his work. They send messengers to distract him. And in Nehemiah 6.3, so I sent messengers to them. And Nehemiah says, I'm going to do what? I'm going to do a great work. Do you feel the pride? The uncommon clarity in that statement? I'm doing a great work so I can do what? I won't come down. I won't 
come down. He says, why should I cease the work just for you? Can you see uncommon clarity? I've got the big picture in place. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. God's going to work out the little stuff. He's going to make it happen. Uncommon clarity. Do you have that in your life? <laughs> do you know where he wants you to go? Do you know what he wants you to do? Do you have that uncommon clarity that only God can give? I'm so thankful. I'm living in a season of my life where I can see the rest of my life and know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Two things. Two things. I'm supposed to lead others to Christ and to help this church be a great church that God honors, that honors God and God blesses. And He will bless those who bless Him. And so when we bring honor and praise and glory to God, He'll return it. When we see young people coming forward for Christ, God's going to do great things. We've got young people that need to be baptized. Some of them need to rebaptize. I think. Hold them up until the bubbles quit coming up. And that could apply to some of the adults I've got going on here, too. You see, because we've all let the world pull us away. Amen? Distract us. We've got to get back in clarity, uncommon clarity, to know what God's called us to do. God's called us to be a light in this dark world. He's called us to be salt. And if the salt's lost its savor, he said, what good is it? Throw it away. You know who he's talking about, don't you? <laughs> us. So if you're not salty anymore, you better get near a salt lick and get with it. As a vision increases and clarifies, as vision increases, options decrease because it makes it easier to discern the will of God. With the big picture in place, little things begin to fall into place. But I'm telling you, there's two things I, without, I, I am clear as I can be on. One is this church and how much I love this church and how much God still has yet for this church to do. He's just waiting on us to catch up to Him. He's waiting on us to feel a prompting. He's waiting on us to do something. Oh, He could do it without us. But He's chosen to use us. I don't know. I don't get it. Because we're all pretty worthless. But in Him... We're worth everything. <laughs> and with him, we got it all made. The other thing is my family. I'm such a blessed man to be married to such a beautiful woman. She is the best thing that God could have ever sent to me. I dated her for three months, and I knew right then that's who I needed to be with. Period. She was funny. She didn't, she didn't think I was the greatest thing that came down the pike since apple pie. She stood up to me when I thought I was really worth something. And I took her to a pizza inn and asked her to marry me. It was romantic. <laughs> we had pepperoni pizza. I sprung for a salad. I had candlelight on the table. And how in the world she said yes. But I know one thing. I'm not the man today if I didn't have her in my life. Couldn't be a preacher to you. 
without her letting me go out the door when you call. In fact, there's times when you call and I sit there and she says, aren't you leaving? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm leaving. I have three wonderful sons, two amazing daughter-in-laws, one on the way in December. I've got a granddaughter, an almost grandson, and a grand dog. I don't know how life can get any better. But I've still got a responsibility to be an example to that family. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to love you and help you. I want to train you because I can't do it by myself. I've tried for 18 years to do it by myself. I can't do it by myself. My body's wearing out. I'll have you help. So when I ask you to come for training, please come. I'm ready for you to be Dio Numa. Feel the prompting. Spiritual prompting in your life. And I consider my life worth nothing if I can't teach and preach the gospel of Christ. To you and to my family. Would you pray with me? God, we ask that your holy presence be with us and you lead us into your perfect will. God, I'm asking people to reflect right now wherever they are. Would they think about their life where they are? Are they just not hearing from you? Would you shake them up? Are you overflowing with a vision in their life? Maybe it's time for them to take that next step. Have you taken a step or two? Have they taken that step or two or three and suddenly felt, oh man, I don't know where I'm going? Could they find comfort in the fact that we need to live at this moment by faith and not by sight? God, you may be teaching us to trust you like we've never done before. Are we in a season of resistance where you're trying and trying and trying and we'll step forward and get knocked back? God, we need to understand that's part of it. But we don't give up. Are we in a moment of uncommon clarity where you're sensing in the presence of God that He's showing you what to do? What I would like for each of us to do is to ask you, God, to stir us to that next place. Ultimately, where you want to be is where this big picture is. And God, if we'll just open our eyes, you'll show it to us. And everything else will fall into place. God, there may be people right here this morning who would say, I'm not hearing from God at all. I'm scared spitless. I don't even know what to do. I'm battling resistance. I need help to get through it. I, I've got clarity, but I, I don't want to be distracted. I, I can be so distracted. Wherever they are, God, would they have the courage to take that next step? 
the next step on their journey as they seek your perfect will in their lives. God, I think there's probably people here this morning, I know there are, that just need to pray, God, shake us up. Help us every day to be moved by your Spirit, to get out of our comfort zone, to trust you more. God, help us to trust you like never before in those seasons of uncertainty when we don't know what's the next step. And we thank you we don't have to know because you know, God. Teach us to depend on you like never before. God, in the seasons of resistance, help us find that comfort that's greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in this world. And God, for those today who don't see any way, God, make a way. When humanly there's no possible way and the resistance seems so great, God, we thank You that You are a God of miracles. And we believe that You can lead us through any resistance. And so now, God, bring us to uncommon clarity. Take my life and make it Yours. In Jesus' name, Amen.